New Zealand is increasingly becoming a land of tenants rather than homeowners. 51% of New Zealanders over the age of 15 now live in a rented house, with home ownership dropping off across nearly all age groups. The government has focused its efforts on trying to build more homes in an effort to meet housing demand. But as this Radio New Zealand Insight has been asking, is it also time to consider the plight of those who may never get out of a rental property? This is the fourth site that the government is announcing today, and it's the largest, about 18 hectares. It's the portion beyond the gate and off in that area. The Building and Housing Minister Nick Smith showing journalists the first tranche of surplus Crown land the government plans to let developers build on in the latest effort to create affordable houses for first home buyers. But for a growing group of New Zealanders, buying a house isn't even on the agenda and some are starting to advocate for a better future for those who rent. For many of us, um, we were um, in our 30s not able to buy a house for various reasons and cost being one of the obviously a key reason and we were um, thinking well renting is actually what we're going to be doing for quite some time if not forever and um, we thought that renting ought to be part of that conversation. I'm Kate Newton and this insight looks at whether as the renting population changes New Zealand needs new laws to reflect the new reality. I'm Shamubil, and Sid and I live here with our son Hayden. And so this is our rented place in, um, in Epsom. That's Shamubil Jacob, principal economist at the Institute for Economic Research, and a renter. All right, and how long have you been living here now? So we moved here in the beginning of the year, and it's a little bit bigger than our last place because we've got a baby now, so we need a bit more room. Tenant, new father, and lately a published author on the subject of renting. Mr Jacob and his wife Selena have delved into the major shift that's been going on in New Zealand, almost unnoticed in the frenzy around spiralling house prices, loan-to-value ratios and special housing areas. A couple of graphs lay the situation bare. I think in New Zealand we have this story that home ownership is good and home ownership is normal for New Zealand. And that was true until 1991, so for about a century the home ownership rate rose and fewer and fewer households were renting. But since 1991, that has been going in the opposite direction, and the number of people renting has been increasing. And the homeownership rate now is the lowest level since 1951. You know, so for the early 30-year-olds, um, nearly 50% of them used to have their own home uh, in uh, 2001. But today we're talking only about just over a third of uh, those people. So it's been quite a big shift for the younger households, especially the family-forming age group. Mr Jacob says renting can and should be a viable long-term or even permanent option for people who can't or choose not to buy a house. But, he says, the current system condemns renters to a second-rate situation. The way that it's set up is very much one about flatting. So, you know, we still think that it's going to be young kids who are at university who are going to be in and out of the place and all of those kinds of things. But the increase in renting across New Zealand is not just in those younger age groups, it's becoming much more widespread. But a lot of people who are renting, particularly people with kids, are quite unhappy with their housing. And the reason is renting doesn't give you security. So you might be asked to leave for any reason. Quite often the leases you can get are only for 12 months. And that means that um, people have that inability to put roots down and make a shelter a home.
So who is making up this new generation of long-term renters? OK, you ready? Look at some... <laughs> Look at some mobile. <laughs> my name is uh, Gray Burton and I live with my wife and young daughter in Parnell in an older style apartment complex. I think this is from the 70s. Uh, we have been living here for about two years. What have you got over there? What's your favourite book? Uh, what, a grump. what a grump! I'm not particularly averse to the renting culture, uh, but I do feel like, you know, it's a lot of money to throw into something that in the end doesn't isn't essentially yours, that you don't really have control over the length of time you can stay here, particularly in the long term. Um, our landlord, and, and particularly around here, there's a lot of you know prime real estate and a lot of our neighbours are, uh, we see for sale signs up on, in the complex all the hey. time. Hi, do you want to have some food? Are you hungry? Uh. No. I want for my daughter to have a home that she can grow up in and not feel like she doesn't have that stability in her life. Anything that can help that, I think, will, will be really positive. Auckland's housing problems are well known, but renters in other cities are finding themselves in a similar predicament to Gray Burton and his family. Harriet Palmer rents a property in Melrose in Wellington with her partner Tom and their two young children, Baxter, who's five, and Phoebe, who's ten months. The couple, both in their early 30s, searched for about three months before they found something suitable that was what they described as semi-affordable, just under $500 a week or about half Tom's income. Ms Palmer says they've toyed with the idea of buying, but says it's unrealistic on a single income. And actually, there are benefits to renting. What we like about renting is we can rent something generally that's better than we can afford to buy at the moment. I really like that if the, something breaks down, we can ring the landlord and they will sort it out, so we don't have to do that. Um, I like the mobility aspect, so if we want to move across town or to another city, we can do that relatively quickly. But there's a flip side to that mobility. I haven't really thought about it that much until fairly recently when we were doing another budget and we were like, well, our landlord we know wanted more for the house that he's rented us and if at any stage he decides that he's going to go for it then we're stuffed really, we'll just have to leave. And it, while I say we want mobility, my son has started school in the area so um, we would you know, we would like to live near his school and know that we can live near his school for a while. The Residential Tenancies Act, which came into force in 1986 and has remained largely intact ever since, requires landlords to give tenants three months' notice to end a lease. But that notice period drops to just six weeks if the landlord wants to sell the property or use it for themselves, family members or employees to live in. It's a worry that became reality recently for Inga Boyd, another Wellington renter. I'm currently renting in Lower Hut with my partner, Chris, and uh, we've been renting the house that we're in now for about eight weeks. We were renting um, a pretty nice place in Petone, which we were very happy with, um, and we were told when our, when our lease came up for renewal that they could only offer us five months. And we've got a baby on the way, it's our first, so um, we weren't really keen to move with a small baby. So, yeah, we, we asked them if we could have longer. 
perhaps 12 months or, or 24 months, and they said no. So we were left having to find somewhere else to move to. Ms Boyd says the experience got her thinking about what would improve things for people facing a lifetime of being a tenant. Well, I guess longer tenancy agreements would be better, or the option for that, so that you definitely knew you had a bit more security. So now that we have a baby on the way, um, we've we've got a 12-month lease, which is great. But it would be really nice to know that actually, you know, we're not going to have to move in 12 months. So that would be one of the biggest things that, you know, as per my recent experience, it does it can come as a surprise if you're expecting to stay somewhere and then all of a sudden you have to move. Um, my best friend in Auckland has had to move four times in the last three years <laughs> because of the same thing, that the, the owners have sold the property. So that kind of thing would make it better. And I, and I do really think that having um, some better standards around insulation and heating for renting would, be, would make a huge difference, I think. And especially for people with kids, you know, that's really important. It's not just renters with children who yearn for greater control over their own living environment. Hi, Rex. Yeah. Hi, Kate. Nice to meet you. How are you going? Yeah, pretty good. My name's Rex. I, I work for a, a local ticketing company. Uh, we're in Greylin. So how long have you guys been in this place? Um, three years. Three years. Oh, OK. Rhys Hingston's 34 and has been living in rented flats since he left home after high school. He says renting suits him in many ways, but he still shares the frustrations of the young families I talk to. Probably mostly that you can't put, put roots down too, too deep. You can't um, really grow into the space, you know, because you might get a knock on the door and be told, oh, sorry, we're going to move in, so you've got X number of weeks or something. I don't know, planting trees and gardens would be nice to know that, you know, if you put down a, a macadamia tree, you'll be able to, like, reap the benefits of it in the future. Um, yeah, at this stage in my life, I wouldn't be able to... I can't contemplate getting a pet because it's a, it's a long-term commitment to something that I'll potentially... You know, it could be limiting. It'd be lovely to have a dog. Longer, more secure leases, improved quality standards, the ability to own pets and make changes to the property. It sounds great if you're staring down the barrel of decades of renting. But of course, tenants are only one side of the equation. What do the thousands of private landlords in New Zealand make of such suggestions? So I don't lift it from there. I'm Helen Walsh and I'm here today at my... Uh, mother-in-law's house in Howick and I'm at the end of a long renovation on it and um, I'm getting ready to put it out to rent. Now this was all bare boards which were very lovely beautiful matai but um, essentially freezing to live in so we've just carpeted the, there's absolutely no insulation top or bottom on this house. There's not even building paper on the roof. So that's all of those things have to happen for this house to become not an ice box that you can feel it is now. You know? Ms Walsh has a second rental house in Forest Hill on Auckland's North Shore that she's rented out for the last 15 years. She's had what she calls her fair share of appalling tenants over that time, but says she's not necessarily opposed to some of the changes renters are suggesting. I think the essential fundamental change that would have to happen then is that 
Tenants have to be able to trust landlords, but landlords have to be able to trust tenants. Maybe you could sheet home some sort of duty of care that, that they have. And I guess in that way, the tenancy tribunal or any of the regulation around it needs to be tighter and perhaps more descriptive or prescriptive of of the rights and duties of of everyone. And then when you go to tribunal, um, it needs to have some teeth. It needs to be, it needs to perhaps lead the way on what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. There is some with a starker view of the situation, especially when it comes to the higher standards that renters are asking for. Victor Catamore works in the property investment sector and has been a landlord on and off for decades. At the moment, he owns 18 rental properties in Christchurch, mostly at the cheaper end of the spectrum. The interesting thing about the insulation thing is that it's predominantly driven at the lower socio-economic level and the the problem with that is that these people have a budget for a shed and want to live in a palace um, and then treat it like a pigsty. So I think we need to be careful about putting on landlords to do more things to a property without some financial return. Mr Catamol says if there are changes to tenancy laws and standards that grant greater rights to tenants, that should come along with much stricter enforcement of tenants' obligations. He says his experience is that when the renting relationship breaks down, it's the landlord left unprotected. A lot of landlords will tell you that the majority of um, experiences are quite often not that great. And the systems um, in place really don't support landlords, I think, to a big degree. I mean, I would have, at the moment, probably somewhere between fifty and 60,000 of rent arrears that I'm working through with tenants to, to rectify. And generally what you find happening is that a landlord will try and keep the tenant on and work through the arrears process because otherwise the chances of collecting are pretty slim. Mr Catamol does see some advantages to requiring higher standards for rental properties and that it will likely squeeze out some of the landlords who own just one or two properties and force the sector to become more professional. But he's still sceptical about whether there even need to be wholesale changes to the renting system. In reality, I think the market probably sorts itself out. I mean, do do we actually have a problem that needs fixing, or is the market just evolving into what it, where it naturally sits? Um, <clears throat> do we need to copy what others are doing overseas? Probably not, because if the market sorts itself out, we have our own own way of doing that. While some involved in the sector believe market forces can be relied on, there are others who would like to persuade reluctant landlords of the need for change. A newly formed group in Wellington is starting to grapple with the issue of what needs to be done. Rob Whitaker is one of the founding members of Wellington Renters United. He's in his 30s with young children and expects his family to be renting indefinitely. He says it's not going to be easy to change the mindsets of renters or landlords. The first um, way to change that culture would obviously would be by regulation because I think many of the reasons that people want to own their own home are actually the things that could be resolved by regulation. So people want to own their own home for security. (laughs) They want to own their own home because so that they can make sure that it's improved and maintained properly um, and those sorts of things. So obviously if more of that sort of thing was going on, then um, in rental properties, then people would feel less of an urge to get out of a rental property at at the first opportunity that they can. There are already protections for tenants through the Tenancy Tribunal, which was established by the Residential Tenancies Act. 
Mary Jeffcoat, who sat on the tribunal for 25 years, told Radio New Zealand tenants can exercise extensive rights if something goes wrong. For instance, the tribunal can award a rent reduction until a problem with the property is fixed. However, Labor's housing spokesman, Phil Twyford, says a review of the Residential Tenancies Act is long overdue. As well as encouraging longer tenancies, he says that reform should include minimum standards for rental properties. But many landlords argue they're being asked to bear the burden of the legacy of New Zealand's poor housing stock. Phil Twyford says that burden is overstated. It's quite misleading and disingenuous for um, the National Party and some landlords to say that this is going to drive up rents. To retrofit a standard uh, Kiwi home um, with a heat pump and insulation will cost a landlord typically about $5,000. Now that investment has a lifetime of 15 to 20 years with modern insulation products and and, uh, uh, new modern wood burners and heat pumps. That's how long they last. So a $5,000 investment over 20 years Compare that to the gross revenue that the, that the that asset will generate over the same time period, which is hundreds of thousands of dollars. Along with improvements to tenancy laws, Mr Twyford says Labor would flood the market with new properties to bring down both the price of a first home and also the cost of renting. The government already has a target of creating 39,000 new consents or sections in Auckland by October next year, under its housing accord with the Auckland Council. But is it enough to turn the tide on the swell of renters? Lawrence Murphy, a professor of property at Auckland University, has been keeping a shrewd eye on the country's housing shortage, studying and writing about the sector. Even with government efforts to push along construction, he believes the golden age of home ownership in New Zealand is over. You can produce lots and lots of housing and it won't be affordable. And we've seen that in countries like Spain and, and Ireland in the past. And uh, you can have a rapid increase in the amount of housing being built. Uh, but house prices keep going up because people's expectations are the reason I'm buying a house is I want house prices to go up. And developers are building because they're expecting prices to go up. And he believes tenancy laws do need changing. But he says for some of the people who now find themselves renting, there are also benefits to be had. I'm thinking of maybe people who are starting a family or not yet start, but they're in like double income, no children. Uh, the opportunities of maybe renting in neighbourhoods that have high status, near the CBD, near um, cultural activities like um, theatre and art festivals and all those kind of things. Work done in in the mid-2000s in Auckland indicated that in the central Auckland area there were a large number of households that were renting that could have afforded to have bought a house on the periphery of Auckland. So they must have made a choice that we prefer to live in the Auckland central area um, rather than going off and trying to buy a house way off in the suburbs. Like many people I spoke to, Dr Murphy suggests Germany and Switzerland, which both have large renting populations, as examples that New Zealand could look to. What you've developed is a rental sector that has strong controls over issues of tenant security of tenure. So they, they, you can have long-term uh, rental agreements 
also in the, the, these countries you have professional owners of property. So these are large-scale investment, like pension funds, who are investing in hundreds of houses, hundreds of apartments. Hello? Is that Marcel? Hi, how are you going? I'm Kate. Nice to meet you. Marcel Kelm is a dentistry student in Berlin in Germany. He's rented the same two-bedroom apartment in central Berlin for five years now, since he moved there from Hanover. This is the living room. Here I painted the walls grey. And um, kitchen, that's something I changed. I bought a kitchen. Uh, and in the end, when I move out, it's not clear yet. It's like you have to talk to the people who own this apartment. Like, are they giving you a bit of money and you leave the kitchen here? Or you just take it with you. Just it, it depends. It's always different. As your, it depends on the person who's owning the apartment. The changes he's made to the apartment over the years are completely normal. They tell you feel free to paint the walls in which color you want and everything else. You just have to when you quit the apartment when you leave the apartment after a couple of years, you just have to give it in the state it has been when you moved in. I think it's a standard here in Germany that all walls have to be white, for example. And when you paint them grey, like I did, for example, when I move out one day, or we, then we have to paint it white again. The landlord is a company that owns the entire 16-apartment building, charging Mr Kelm 400 euros a month, or about 650 New Zealand dollars. An official rental index has kept housing costs pretty stable in Germany for decades, but rents on new leases have increased in Berlin and other German cities where there's an apartment shortage. That's prompted the government there to introduce a Mietbremse, a break on rents that prevents landlords from charging new tenants any more than 10% above average rents. Back in Auckland, Shamabil Jakob says New Zealand needn't take quite such an interventionist approach. The way that we could do it is to slowly reform our uh, tenancy agreements to slightly nudge people in that direction of longer lease terms, of giving better reasons for terminating contracts from both sides. And so what we suggested is that we need to clarify what are the rules that you, can, you need to be able to kick somebody out or to give notice to a landlord, but also make the standard term, say, three years rather than 12 months. You can still cross it out and have a different term, but start nudging people towards these longer-term arrangements. There's another question in all of this. Can people actually afford to rent for life? What happens when a generation of renters reaches retirement age? Lawrence Murphy says a mortgage acts as an enforced form of saving, but with a bit of discipline, there are alternatives. Renting tends to be cheaper than, than uh, home ownership because home ownership, you're paying for the capital sum of the house as well as the interest. Uh, so the argument is that if you were good at saving and investing, you could invest in a much a higher return somewhere else. Um, there are economic arguments that um, suggest that you can use rental market as an opportunity for saving and developing your investment portfolio. What might that look like? I went in search of some suggestions. There are, you know fixed income options, um, so right through from, from cash through to bonds. Michael uh, Sherrick is an investment portfolio manager and says building up retirement savings without relying on a house for equity is a perfectly valid option, but financial literacy is key. 
you do need to look further afield than just uh, bank accounts, and, and, and logically these people are building up money. So whether or not they're actually putting that money uh, to work at the moment in terms of uh, the share market or, or bonds. Do you feel that a lot of people do actually, just because they feel it's, it's the safe thing to do, keep that money in, say, a term deposit in a bank account? It's easy. People understand it uh, versus uh, the share market or even bonds, trying to understand bonds, which you know, reasonably straightforward, but the share market you, you know, probably deem to be risky and, and they don't want to lose their money. Um, but you know, there, there are a range of options and it's about having a diversified portfolio so that you're, you're not taking any uh, concentrated risk. It might be financially viable to rent, but are some people despairing of home ownership too quickly? Good morning, Christine speaking. How can I help you? All right. Now, the two things that are really going to determine what you can do is how much deposit that you've got available. Christine Lockie, a mortgage broker in Auckland, says people have been forced to lower their expectations, but there are definitely still options. you young couples now are quite happy to look at your little two-bedroom unit uh, within the Auckland area just in order to get within the Auckland area if that is what is popular for them. We're now seeing a lot of the first-home buyers looking sort of Waiuku, Tefitu Peninsula area um, or further north, sort of Walkworth, even Wellsford area. So they are definitely stretching out. All right. Um, but Ms Lockie says like she is seeing more people who can no longer afford to buy once they do the numbers and they will end up renting in the meantime. Uh, I'm very excited today to be announcing a speeding up of the development here at Hobsonville that will bring 1,000 homes on stream. Home ownership, first home buyers and housing affordability have dominated the agenda for the Building and Housing Minister Nick Smith. There's a hint though that change might be coming for those stuck in the rental market. The government is of a view that home ownership is a priority and we are not prepared to sort of give up on a generation and say renting as good as it gets. But equally so, we're interested in improvements that we can make in the residential tenancy law to try and provide a greater degree of security and to make it work better for those that are renting. Dr Smith says officials are already working on that now, with changes set to be introduced to Parliament in the second half of this year and announced as early as this month. He's still vague on exactly what form those changes could take, but says reform is unlikely to go as far as the regulations that govern the German rental system, for instance. The current Residential Tenancy Act does provide quite a lot of flexibility, so there's nothing to stop people right now from entering into five-year or ten-year tenancies. Um, and the government is quite cautious of effectively overriding and saying regardless of what a landlord and tenant might agree, uh, we are going to compel a longer term of tenancy. What we are prepared to look at is that my own ministry provides a standard tenancy contract. The standard terms of that uh, is a three-month notice-based tenancy. And the question for us is, uh, while we still give people choice, does the standard um, option, the fallback contract, uh, can we make improvements of that uh, that would help develop a more mature uh, tenancy market in New Zealand?
That more mature tenancy market is exactly the outcome the likes of Shamabil Jacob and Rob Whitaker are pushing for. Mr Jacob says as the number of renters carries on growing, reform is both necessary and inevitable. If we have any success, renting is going to become a much better option. And increasingly renting is not going to be because you're forced into renting because you choose to for other reasons. But, you know, the culture of renting is going to change and it has to change. I'm Kate Newton and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this program, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or our Twitter handle is rnz underscore insight. I wrote and presented that program. It was produced by Philippa Tolley with technical production by Jeremy Veal.